Amazing. Uh, it's brilliant to see you. Yeah, my name's John T, um, and it's my joy to open up uh, the next part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I say it's my joy, and it, and it is, um, but I have to say, this is hard, right? Sermon on the Mount, I think, has been more challenging than I thought it was going to be. Um, And what we have to keep remembering is that we are sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him and saying, please show us, teach us. Teach us what it is you want us to know so that we might live the way you want us to live. And we're going to pick up today... um, Jesus' next teaching in verse 38. And I'm going to read this passage. um, And then we're going to try and understand together why this matters. So here's what Jesus said. You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt... Hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Have you got any questions about that? Are we happy with that as a way to live our lives? It's pretty clear in many ways what Jesus is saying. I don't think I really need to explain it to you. But I think we do need to think about it. And you may have all sorts of things that come, all sorts of, yes, but, right? Surely there was something in your heart going, yes, but. We'll get to some of the yes, buts. But before we get to that, we've got to let Jesus teach us. You see, you've got to remember what Jesus is doing here. He is not simply saying, listen, world, I've got a nice idea for how you could all live better. That's not what Jesus is doing. What Jesus is doing is establishing the kingdom of heaven. We've been saying this week after week. Jesus is bringing about a revolution. The kingdom of heaven has come into the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of light has invaded the kingdom of darkness. Jesus has come to bring God's rule to this world. It is the greatest news in all of the universe. There is hope in the darkness. There is freedom for slaves. There is light for those in dark, right? This is the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come. Jesus, the king of God's kingdom, has arrived. And Jesus says, this is my kingdom. And he is teaching us how to live in his kingdom. And the reason this matters is because The way that Jesus' kingdom will transform the kingdom of this world is through us living what he said. Does that make sense? Jesus doesn't come, it's fascinating this, you can read through all of Jesus' teaching, he doesn't come with a, a, a brilliant strategy for kingdom growth. He doesn't come and say, right, here are my five points. You need to do this, 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 and this, and then bang, the kingdom will grow. 
Instead, what he comes and says is, you need to live like this and like this and like this. And if you live this way, the kingdom will come. If you live this way, then the light will shine. And so what we are involved in here is not a strategy to try and live nicer lives. What we're involved in is seeing the kingdom of heaven come. Seeing the kingdom of heaven shine in this world. How is London going to be transformed? Look, get this right. How is London ever going to be transformed? By us turning the other cheek when someone slaps us. That's his strategy for transforming London. That's his plan. And that's why this matters. Because what we're involved in is the cosmic greatest story of the kingdom of heaven being established. That kingdom that will last for all eternity. That kingdom that will bring all other kingdoms to an end. The kingdom that will shine with the beauty of the glory of God forever and ever and ever. I want to be part of that kingdom, don't you? I don't want to be part of the kingdom of death. I want to be part of the kingdom of life. Don't you? And it may be that there's some here this afternoon and you've come to church, you're not sure sure really what you believe, you're not sure what all this Jesus stuff is about. Well, this is what it's about. It's not about Jesus saying, you've got to do this and you've got to do this. It's Jesus saying, I've come to bring my kingdom. I want you to be part of my kingdom. Come and join me. Leave the darkness and come and find life and light in me. Come to Jesus and you'll find forgiveness as he dies and he saves you and he brings you into his kingdom. That's what Jesus is doing. And that's why this matters. And so we may well read this and find ourselves thinking, well, this sounds a bit hard. Well, of course it's hard. (laughs) Because this is the kingdom of heaven. And by nature, we don't belong to the kingdom of heaven. So it's, we're being asked to live in this stunning new way. So that's just to set the scene a little bit. And I I, want to dive into this now. And look really carefully, because in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has set up the values in the Beatitudes. He's told us the sort of values that operate in his kingdom. Right? Being poor in spirit, mourning, meekness, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, purity, mercy, being willing to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's what the kingdom of, that, that, those are the values of the kingdom. Right? And now he's working those values out through his sermon. And in this section, he's talking about how this relates to the law of the Old Testament. What do we do with the Old Testament law? How does that relate to the kingdom? And what Jesus is showing us is that his kingdom is that law, that the law of God, but now fulfilled. Beautiful. So... Verse 38, you've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Okay, Uh, let's vote. Um, You can vote in your heads. You don't have to put your hands up. Um, We'll do it anonymously. It's an anonymous vote. Um, Is that a good law? Eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Is that good? We've all voted. 
the results are in? I have no idea. <laughs> what you thought. But I do know that it's a good law. That is good. And the reason I know that it's good is because God said it. Back in Exodus 20, uh, 21, God was very, very clear. Right after he gave the Ten Commandments, God is explaining how his people are to live. It's like a father instructing his children, saying, my precious people, this is how you're to live. And he says, one of the things he says in several places is this principle, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Right, this is the important thing. First big thing, you're taking notes, there's no slides today, you're on your own. Here's the big first thing I want you to remember. Justice is a very good thing. Justice is a very good thing. So when God gave that law, he was expressing justice. It was a reflection of his own character, right? Now, we'd all sit here and go, well, of course justice is a good thing. It's almost so obvious that you don't really even need to say it. But is it obvious? Is it really obvious or is it just obvious to us because we're so imbibed with the culture which we live, which, hey, happens to be a Christian culture? that actually we find ourselves swimming in this obviously justice is right. But why? Why shouldn't it be, I take your eye, and if I'm stronger than you, I'll take the other one as well? Doesn't that, why can't it be that? Well, the reason is because it reflects the very heart of God. You see, God is a God of justice, and he created us in his image, and therefore each of us is precious, right? Oh, look, I, I studied chemistry at university, right, a long time ago. I'm not boasting. <laughs> don't know why that would be boasting. It's a terrible admission. No, chemistry's great. Chemists, great, right? Dan is great. Chemistry's great. Look, I studied chemistry, and my professor at university was a guy called Peter Atkins, Okay, Peter Atkins, Professor Peter Atkins, very, very intelligent man who hated Christians. He hated me uh, and he hated the idea of God. And he said, the human race must realize how insignificant it is. We are just a bit of slime on a planet belonging to one sun. That, that's what he said. Now, if that's what we are, just a bit of slime, if that's what you are, just a bit of slime, then justice is quite difficult to argue about, isn't it? Because we're just slime. But the Bible worldview is like so different. The Bible says, no, you're not just slime. You're not a random bit of dusty nothingness. You are a beautiful, handcrafted masterpiece. You were made in the image of God, all of you. And therefore, all of you bear equal value and worth and dignity. And therefore, if I wrong you, I am wronging someone who bears the image of God. It's that serious. And so there is a rightness in if you take from me that I then take from you, that there is a restoration. Or it's like injustice, right? When I take something from you, the scales go like this. 
And justice is about a restoration of the balance. If you steal a hundred pounds from me, what do I do? I take a hundred pounds back from you, we're even again. There is also a retributive bit of it. We're not worrying about that at the moment. It's kind of an added on bit because you did something naughty and made me sad. But, that, but the restoration, where you see the restorative nature of justice. Justice is good. Here's the problem though. If, I, if you take 100 pounds from me, I might be so narked with you that I come to you and I take 1,000 pounds off you. Because that will show you. But you see what's happened now is that we've, got, woo, we've gone the other way. And so what God did in his law was he said, I will restrict, I will give you a law in order to restrict this cycle. Because otherwise, you know, I, you break my fingernail, I cut your arm off, you cut my head off. It just goes on and on. So what God does, sort of, what God does is he says, no, eye for eye. And interesting, when you read the law, it didn't actually... The way that then worked out was not that if you took my eye, I would then just take your eye. Actually, what would happen is you would pay me the equivalent amount for what an eye is worth. And it was all worked out. So it wasn't even a vindictive kind of, right, fine, I'm going to stab your eye out. No, it was a restore to me what you have taken from me. Okay, everyone happy? Justice is a very good thing. That's the point I'm making. But... So we've got that as our big headline. Jesus says, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. He's not denying that. He's not undermining that. He's not saying that's a bad thing. In fact, that is still how most of our judicial systems, as far as I can see, still seem to operate, right? That seems like a fair thing. Here's the problem. From that place, justice is a very good thing, eye for eye. You can take two tracks. You can plant that seed in two different types of soil, and it will lead in different places. So, if you take eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and you plant it in a natural human heart like mine, what it leads to is retaliation. That's where it leads. It leads to a bitter vindictiveness growing in my heart. Justice is very good, the problem's not with justice, the problem's with my heart, because my heart is selfish. And so suddenly this law was very good. Suddenly it all becomes about my rights and what I am owed and I demand. Now, little kids know this, right? If you, you see a child push another child over and you go and say to them, why did you push them over? They will always say, because she pushed me. <laughs> right? There's a sort of instinctiveness to this. They'll never go, just felt like it. <laughs> I mean, if they do say that, it's like, this is serious. But, you know, <laughs> there's normally a kind of reciprocity about it, right? But what happens then is that that spirals. And we say to them, no, 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 you, you, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> She said, no, don't, don't do that. And he's like, well, why shouldn't I do that? Well, because what happens is this, this thing begins to stir within us, and it kind of seeds, right? There's something that happens. So you wrong me, and I begin to feel this muttering in my heart. 
I seethe about you. I think about you. I can't sleep. I lie awake at night and I think about what you've done to me and how much it hurt me. And it grows. And it's like, we just picture it like a snake that whispers, that says, you've been wrong. You deserve to get your own back. And what you see is that this grows and grows and grows. And you don't need me to tell you that communities have been ripped apart by exactly this. And here's the weird thing. If you go to people on either side, here's two people who used to be friends who've now been ripped apart by this thing that's grown and grown and grown. If you go to either side of them, they will tell you that they are right. They'll tell you that it's about justice. So if you go, and I'm going to say some more about Israel and Gaza later on in in the talk. But just for a second, if you go to Israel, they will tell you that they're right. And if you go to Hamas, they will tell you that they're right. They'll tell you why they're right. Now, you might disagree with the fact they're right, but they're claiming justice. You've got to understand this. Adolf Hitler believed he was right, believed it was morally right to exterminate the Jews. It wasn't like, oh, I hate them, I'm just going to kill them. do, Do you see, this is what... This is what, justice is a good thing, but it grows. And it turns into a very ugly, slithering serpent that feeds within us. And we become obsessed with revenge and with getting what is rightly ours. Don't worry about turning to this, but you get this really early on in the Bible. Right, so you get, um, get two brothers, Cain and Abel. And, and God prefers Abel's sacrifice to Cain, and Cain's really mardy about it. And God comes to him and he says, Cain, why are you so upset? And then God says to him, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Listen, sin is crouching at your door, and it wants to have you. It wants to have you, but you must master it. So you get this slithering voice of the serpent within Cain saying, How dare your brother be preferred to you? That's not right, Cain. You've been offended. It's the right thing for you to go and murder your brother in the field. It's the right thing to do. Do you see? We begin to believe that it's right because of this thing of justice. Now, justice is a very good thing, but it so quickly gets distorted because our hearts are so distorted. So Cain murders his brother and leaves him dead on the field. And God comes to Cain and he says, Cain, your brother's blood is crying out to me. Crying out for justice. Crying out. Justice is a good thing. But it so often goes wrong. And suddenly we see oppression and we see things all out of whack, and we claim it's just. If you follow the line of Cain, the next person you meet a few generations on is a man called Lamech. 
And Lamech said, he had some wives, two wives, and he boasted to his wives. And he said, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. I killed a man for injuring me. Wow. See how quickly this escalated? You see, that's the track. If you plant just it, you plant eye for eye, tooth for tooth in a natural human heart, a heart that belongs to the kingdom of this world, it will go bad. It will go bad. And we've all experienced that and seen that. So what, what's the other track? Well, the other track is the kingdom of heaven. The other track is what happens when you plant that eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You plant the justice, the passion for justice, in the heart of someone who belongs to the kingdom of heaven. Now, at this point, you might think, okay, and Jesus is just going to say that you've got to, someone wrongs you, and you've just got to let it go in a sort of frozen kind of way. You know, he's got to sing, let it go. You know, you've got to let it go. Just let it go. Don't, don't hold it against them. You've got to suck it up. You've got to be the bigger man. All this sort of stuff you hear all the time. Do nothing. Someone wrongs you, do nothing. That's not what Jesus said. At least that's not why I don't, I don't think that's what Jesus said. Let's read it. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, Do not resist an evil person. Um, I have never, ever, ever been in a boxing ring. Like, in a serious way. (laughs) Or ever, actually. (laughs) I know very little about boxing. I feel like I'm on very, very dangerous ground for the next 30 seconds or so. But it does seem to me that if you're going to box, your stance really matters, all right? The stance that you take up, oh no, I'm not doing that. There are two, aren't there, right? The classic, Southpaw, I don't know. No. Look, the stance matters. And what you want to do is, you don't stand in a box, you know, you don't stand in a boxing ring like, you know, you're just going to get hammered. You've got to take a stance. What's your stance? So here's the question I want to ask. When someone comes against you, with something wrong, someone wrongs you in some way, what is your stance going to be? Are you going to take up the attack stance? Are you going to take up the attack, the the stance that says, I will defend my rights. You come at me, I come at you. Are you going to take that stance? That's the stance that leads down the snake-serpent route, Okay? It will escalate and escalate. Or or are you going to take the stance, a defensive stance, that just says, okay, fine, I'll do nothing, I'll do nothing, I'll just take the punches, I'll be a punch bag and that'll be that. That's not what Jesus says either. What Jesus says is take a stance of mercy. Don't resist the person coming against you. Instead, Take up a stance of mercy towards them. That's what I think the four examples he gives are showing us. So here's the two tracks. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It can lead you down the track of retaliation and bitterness and revenge. Or it can lead you down the track of beautiful, stunning, transforming mercy. 
So here we go. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Wow. That's the stance that Jesus is asking his disciples to take up in the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't say, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, smack them back. That would be eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But remember, that leads down the pathway to bitterness. Neither does he say, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, get the hack out of there and run away. That would be my natural inclination. Well, I'm not going to fight. <laughs> I'll leg it. What he says is, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, stand there. Stand there and look them in the eye and offer that they would hit you again. Why? How can that possibly be a sensible strategy? The reason is, look, what ifs. I know, I know what ifs. Okay, they're coming. All right, I will get to the what ifs. We're just letting Jesus say, the issue here is, that you are looking someone in the eye and saying, I will not fight on your terms. I will not use the weapons that you use in order to engage in this conflict. In fact, if you want to use the track language, it's as if Jesus is saying to them, don't just follow down the spiral. All you'll do if you slap back, all you'll do is continue the spiral. Jesus says instead, get a piece of track and build in a different direction. Build towards mercy where you might look at that person and rather than hate them with bitterness in your heart, you might find it in your heart even to love and to say, would you like to hit me again? Of course, the trouble is we go, but you're just going to get smacked again. <laughs> Surely that's being a punch bag. No, it's not. Because in that moment, you are choosing to love that person rather than to strike them. You are choosing to show them something different. That's the point. You're choosing to show them that there is a different kingdom, that you do not belong to the kingdom of darkness. You don't belong to the kingdom of the slithering snake who whispers, retaliate, fight, punch. Instead, you belong to the kingdom of Jesus who says, love, love, love. And as you stand there, you show, you shine the light of the kingdom. This is not being a doormat, all right? Because doormats have no choice. Every time I go into my house and I wipe my feet on my doormat, it's got no option in it, right? It just has to lie there. It can't, it doesn't say every time, I choose to serve you today. It doesn't, it has no choice. It's my slave. But this is Jesus saying every time, choose. And I think there is something in this that some people have argued that when, when if to, slight, to slap you on the right cheek means you get slapped the back of your hand. That is to demean you. right? That is to treat you as a lesser. That is how you would slap a slave. But what Jesus is saying is, in my kingdom, stand up, offer the other cheek, and say, no, I'm not less than you. And if you strike me, then you strike me as an equal. 
There's some, there may be something in that. There's, there's, something very, I, ah, there's something very defiant in this. This is not weakness going, oh, just hit me again. This is you looking them in the eye and say, I belong to Jesus. I love him. I want you to know him. I want you to see his beauty. I, I, I want you to love him. And if I have to take a slap for that, I'll take a slap. If I have to die for that, I'll die for that. It's powerful, right? And then if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. See, this is like, it's so different. So beautiful. So disarming. So unbelievably unnerving to be treated in this way. Rather than fighting in, you know, you want to sue me, I'll sue you. Let's have, a, let's have a legal battle and pay the lawyers loads of money. Let's do that. She says, don't do that. Take the different track. Yes, you do have the right. Look, you do have the right. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You have the right to fight, but choose not to use your rights because you love them. I'd rather love you than get what I deserve. I'd rather love you. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. This is a reference to, in those days, the Romans were the occupying force. They were hated. And a Roman soldier could come to any civilian, throw down their bags and say, you have to carry this a mile. They weren't allowed to ask you to carry it more than a mile, but they had the right to ask you to carry it a mile. Jesus doesn't say, pick up the bag and carry it for a mile. Because if you just carry it for a mile, what you will do is you'll mutter in your heart, I hate these stupid Romans. I hate them, I hate them, I hate them, I hate them for a mile. And the slithering serpent whispers bitterness into your heart. But if you pick it up and carry it two miles, you carry it two miles saying, Father, help me love him, help me love him, help me love him, help me love him. Do you see how different it is? It's so different. That's mercy. And give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Do not adopt a posture towards people, a stance towards people that's hostile. What do you want from me? What do you want from me? I've got to defend. I've got to defend my stuff. You're going to take my stuff. You're going to take my stuff. You might take advantage of me. You might take me for a ride. Jesus says, no, don't go down that track. You become cynical and you become bitter and you become horrible. Instead, Jesus says, walk down this track towards mercy where you see people and say, Father, help me love them. Help me love them. How do I show love to this person who's clearly in need and is asking for money from me? Have you got the principle? This is hard, right? This is hard. And I know that for some of you, this is really hard because this is your lived experience. Some of you may never have really experienced this in a very strong way. Some of you, this is your lived experience. I know this is hard. So what I want to do now is just in the last few minutes, I want to say, how on earth do we do this? How on earth do we do this? Okay, this is, this is some ideas about how we do this. Firstly, we look again at what it means to be an evil person. You notice it says, Jesus says, when I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Here comes the evil person. They're evil, right? They're coming towards me. They're out to get me. Oh, but hang on a second. No, no, let me look closely. Ah, look, 
I need to look more closely at this evil person. Because maybe there isn't so much difference between them and me after all. Maybe this category of evil and good is not quite as cut and dried as we like to think. I don't know if you've noticed this with the Israel-Gaza war. One of the things that's really struck me is that in the Russia-Ukraine war, it all felt quite simple. There were goodies and there were baddies. And we sort of, in the West, that, that was, it's all simple, right? Baddies and goodies. And yes, we support the goodies and we want the baddies to lose. Suddenly, we go, I don't know. What, ah, how does that work? Because it doesn't feel as neat as it did. And perhaps that might make us reflect back on the Ukraine-Russian thing and maybe that isn't quite as neat as we thought it was. You see, we've got to be careful of this categorization of evil. Good. Because the Bible says that deep down in all of our hearts, there is evil. All of us pursue what we want. We pursue our selfish. It's my rights. It's what I want. And that's the whole reason Jesus came. But to be honest with you, the only way we can do this is for you to know that Jesus did this first. And he didn't just do it first, he did it for you. You see, Jesus came into this world for you, for me. I am an evil person who has evil desires. I may not be as evil as some people in my kind of categorization, but deep down in my heart, I am still turned in on myself, and I fight for what I want and my rights. And Jesus knows that. And Jesus chooses to show me mercy. When people came against Jesus, he never did what they expected. It's what makes him so brilliant. He freaks people out all the time because they come at him wanting to kind of, ah, and they, he won't do it. He won't do what they want him to because he doesn't fight like we fight. He instead brings the kingdom of heaven. Just one example, right? In the garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus goes to die on a cross, the soldiers come, right, with their swords, and they come to arrest Jesus. They come into the garden, and Jesus is praying. And as the soldiers come, Peter, he goes, they've got swords? I've got a sword. Let's go. Let's fight. And he waves his sword around, and he's so, such a bad aim that he just manages to get an ear, right? I took your ear off. I don't think he was... I mean, it was genius if that's what he was trying to do. My guess is he wasn't trying to take the ear off. My guess is it was more of a fatal blow. Anyway, he takes off the bloke's ear, and Jesus steps in and says, Stop. That's not how we fight. That's not what my kingdom is. And then comes the mercy bit, right? Jesus picks up the man's ear, and he heals him. Imagine you're the soldier, right, whose ear's been healed and you now have to grab hold of this man to arrest him, to crucify him. Do you not feel slightly freaked out by that? Does that not feel like completely weird? As you see nails being driven through his hands, as you hear his screams, you touch your ear and you think, 
what is going on? This doesn't make sense. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. It's when you do what doesn't make sense so that the world goes, what is going on? And it wasn't just the man's ear. As Jesus went and hung on the cross, it was all of my evil. It was all of my sin. It was all of my failure. All of my selfishness was placed upon him. He took all of it to cancel my debt, to set me free. I deserve to be in the kingdom of darkness and shut out of his presence forever. And yet instead, he says, I'll die for you. I'll take it. I'll show you mercy. He could have said life for life. You die because of what you've done. But instead, he said, I give my life for your life. He takes hold of me. He brings me into his kingdom. And he shows me mercy. And now he says, now you go show mercy. You go do it. You will never be able to show mercy unless you first experience the mercy of Jesus. Let him show you mercy. And it may be that some of us, we call ourselves Christians, but we've never really allowed Jesus to truly deeply forgive us in such a way that it transforms us to live this kingdom life. You can't do it in your own strength. He died for you, then he pours out his spirit into your heart so that you can go and live this. And therefore, we need to ask him for help. Now, let me just wrap this up. Oh, man, we've gone way over. I'm so sorry. Um, Let me just wrap this up. There are still what-ifs. I know that. If you are in a situation where you are being abused, Jesus is not saying to you, just turn the other cheek and don't worry about it. Jesus is not asking people who are in positions of Um, danger or threat or in positions where they're they're, look this this is what I mean part of what it means to be in the kingdom of heaven is that I turn the other cheek and then I go and defend the weak and the powerless right so there are times when it's right to resist an evil person not when it's about my protection but when I'm trying to protect someone else when I step in this is why the state right and, and oh there's loads more to say about this don't worry. the state does have a role in get bearing the sword there is a time to, for for war there is a time to defend and to protect what is just and right there is a time because justice is good it's always good and therefore we must be people of justice But the danger is that it becomes this snaky, snaky voice in us rather than genuinely a passion for what is true and right. That's the bit I want us to phone. Look, there's loads of stuff. I I can talk more about this. Maybe I'll write a blog thing on it because we need to get that. But I so want to get this. I so want you to see this. That in the way that we treat people, we will show the kingdom of heaven if we could do this remarkable thing. We're going to pray. Um, And we're going to take some time to respond.